It's Tuesday at 8pm and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and you're very welcome to tonight's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and on tonight's programme our guests are Kevin Wallace, the New Leaf Urban Farmer from Ballyneedy. Limerick entrepreneur Shane Ryan and Karen O'Donoghue, who is from GIY. But before we hear from tonight's guests, let me tell you how to get in touch with me here at The Best Possible Taste. You can make contact by emailing me, s.noonanlive.ie, or you can tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation, or drop me a message on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. Now, many of you have heard of the award-winning producer New Leaf Urban Farmers, which is based in Ballyneedy, County Limerick. Kevin Wallace has launched Beyond Organic, an innovative new community-supported agriculture vegetable box scheme, which is apparently the first of its kind in Ireland. And Kevin joins us now to tell us more about it. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Kevin, thanks so much for taking the call this evening. I'm sure you're a very busy man, like all farmers. New Leaf Urban Farmers, you're out in Ballyneedy. Tell me a bit about the background to the farm and how you got started. Hi, uh, Sharon. Um, good evening. Um, so we started the farm in 2016 um, out in Ballyneedy. I got um, land, I rent land from John and Catherine Grisewood. Um, they come under the, the banner of Croker's Farm. Um, they do numerous things. They, they basically have a large area where they're just renting out to, to would-be farmers or aspiring farmers or allotments, people that want allotments or want to start a farming business, be it in flowers or vegetables or could be cattle, whatever. They, it's up to them. The, the land is there available for them. So I, I um, rented initially um, an acre from them and uh, I began from there, really. Um, I had no background. I don't have a farming background. Um, I'm completely self-taught. Um, I come from a sociology background, uh, um, which is strange enough, I suppose. But um, from there, then um, we, in our first year, our land is good enough, I suppose, compared to land that's surrounding us. It's actually quite good. We're just on the edge of the Golden Vale, so um, and the land that we were using had never been ploughed before. So it's untouched, it was virgin ground. So it was highly fertile in, in that sense. It's, and no chemical fertilizers were ever sprayed on it. So we got this uh, ground, we developed it. And within the first year, we were supplying um, the milk market. We, were doing, we had a milk market stalled and a limit milk market. And then we started going into the Strand Hotel. And then we went on to Canteen Food inside in town with Paul Williams. And then into the Urban Co-op. Actually, the Urban Co-op was our first customer. Um, and we've had a strong bond with them since. Um, and it's kind of just developed from there since over the last four or five years. Is all your produce organic? Yes. I won't say organic because I'm not certified organic. But what I would say, it's chemical free. I don't use any chemicals. And that's that's the difference. Everybody thinks that organic is, is chemical free when it's not. There are certain chemicals that they use that are that are allowed in very, very small amounts. So I, I, I've tended to stay away from that and just be completely 100% natural mm-hmm. farming. Um I with natural farming, it's it's a little bit different. We're introducing we we capture and culture uh, microbiology and introduce it into the soil, um, in and in really high concentrations. 
but it's kind of like a holistic approach whereby by introducing this into the biology you really address the biology in the soil so it's it's a broad spectrum of biology rather than specific biology so we'll put in things like um, fungi bacteria um, stilliates or protozoa uh, things like that um, to readdress the, the soil and by doing that they create the fertility in the, in the soil itself because they're they're working away and their exudates create uh, plant available nutrients and that's under the banner of Korean natural farming you mentioned the Strand Hotel there so yeah. up until about 12 months ago a lot of your business would have been two chefs restaurants hotels yes. And obviously, COVID changed all of that. And I know That's I I personally have enjoyed some of your projects thanks to Neighbourhood. When the lockdown came last year and a lot of the neighbourhoods started to, to pop up, was that something that you very much welcomed at the time? Yes, because it's it, it, it's very good that the, the system for our supplier is excellent um, because the, the order comes in late uh, at the weekend the cutoff point so i have several days to to plan my production and the harvesting and that day and what that needs to be done and the delivery could because i'm so local i'm only 10 kilometers from limerick so i'm 10 minutes away in the car so for me to get to and drop it off it, it's nothing really it's 20 minutes in and out and i'm done so that, that that's great and it's paid the payment terms are 10 days uh, i think five days 10 days so it, it's it's it's, it's great. It's, it's a fantastic facility. Plus as well, because it's on a Thursday evening at five to seven, that makes it a little bit different for people who are working all the time. They can, if they're working in town, they can drop into town, grab it and go and go home. And that, that's, I think that's, that works. It's flexible enough for people that mightn't traditionally want to go to supermarkets and buy food because they might have to go and do several different trips. Not everybody wants to get everything in Aldi or Lidl or Tesco or Dunn stores. But what you have with uh, neighbor food is you've got the best of the best producing and supplying it all in one place. So I think that's great. I think it's great. And Ginger McMahon has done a fantastic job. Absolutely. And you're 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 talking there about the different produce. Now you've no produce at the moment because of your growing mm -hmm. patterns, but certainly last year, whenever you were, you would have some very unusual products. That stems from um, chefs like um, Keith Piggott, Mike Tweedy. Uh, the Michelin star chef. I've supplied lignum and I'm sure and places like this. Not often, but they come to me every now and again looking for stuff, unusual things. One might be ginger. We've done Japanese artichokes. Um, the Hakurai uh, turnip is a, is a fascinating one because what happened was, is after the end of the Second World War, Japan was devastated. So when the war ended, they were financially broke and they had to feed their population and it was an aging population at the time. So what did they do? They had to invent a food or develop a food that was nutritious, that was fast growing, that you could use all of it and it can grow almost in any kind of conditions. A turnip is usually white, it's white flesh, but the Hakurai turnips are juicy and they're, they're slightly almost fruity in texture, but they've got that peppery uh, radish taste at the end. And the leaves themselves are like an Asian leaf. You can, you can, they're like a spinach, but peppery spinach, where you can either stir fry them or um, steam them and use those as well. So I'd say Neighbourhood has been great for getting the the new leaf urban farmer name out into the, the population because a lot of the time when we go to these lovely restaurants, unless they're very good at naming their suppliers, yeah. which the likes of Michael Tweedy, Tom Flavin and Keith Pickett are, we don't necessarily know where these items come from. 
and this year you're working on a very exciting project. It's community supported agriculture where people can really collaborate with you and be guaranteed a supply of your produce every week. So just explain what is community supported agriculture? Well, um, community supported agriculture, we'll call it CSA for short, um, is, is, is an American kind of concept. It, it, it comes from in the States whereby people want to source local produce um, and know their farmer. The idea of having a relationship with the farmer, that they know the provenance of their produce, that they can go down to the farm, they see it, they can take their kids down, they see how it's grown and, and have that personal connection with the farmer. And it's, it's, it's a social thing, I suppose, in that sense, it's a sense of community that you know where your food is coming from. Um, you know the work that goes into it, um, that it's not coming from Spain or South Africa en masse, even though it's organic, it could be from Spain and, and like the plastic city down in, 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 in south of Spain is, is appalling. But yet it's allowed and it's, it's, under the, and it's slightly organic. So people don't realise that. They don't know that the mileage that's on it or the working conditions for the workers, you know. Um, so by coming to my farm, um, you're getting to meet the farmer. You're able to see exactly what um, what's being produced at different times of the year, um, and also, I suppose that personal connection makes you feel like you're part of something. So with the CSA, you come, you join. So um, you join for this year. We're doing 26 weeks, which begins in June and ends in the end of November. And those 26 weeks will have different crops at different times. Um, Usually with the idea, the main idea of the CSA scheme is that you buy a share, a seasonal share of the, the produce of the farm. And the idea being with that, if it's a really good year, you get a little bit of extra. And if it's poor year, you take the hit. But we're very lucky in Ireland. We're, we're different from America in that sense, that we have very stable temperatures. We have very stable summers. It might be raining a lot, but the crops, well, I've got protected structures. So I can grow tomatoes and chilies and bell peppers and cucumbers and ginger um, and outside, I can grow my kale, I can grow my um, salad and spinach and so on, supporting carrots. So we don't have those variances like huge tornadoes or anything else like that. So we don't have, I don't foresee many crop failures and I haven't had any crop failures. So the plus side of that is you'll get produce that is super local and super fresh. It's cut that day or that the day before, the night before. That's how, how fresh it is. So it'll last longer in your fridge. And also as well, that will do a number, I'm teaming up with my Tweedy, Keith Piggott and Tom Flavin in terms of uh, creating recipes per box. So each box will have three to four recipes per week and that will tailor be tailored made to the actual produce that you have in your box. So when you pull out that recipe for whatever's in the box, we'll, we'll, we'll cook that for the week for you. So that's the idea. I think it, it is always a fantastic idea to be challenged with new products, new vegetables but whenever you don't know what to do with them, it can it can turn out being it can turn Absolutely. out to be a waste. Now in this day and age with the internet, it doesn't have to be like that because you just can Google all of these things and there's great sites there where you can put in the the different ingredients and it'll tell you what to do. But the collaboration with all of those fantastic chefs is a huge bonus, and to have the the printed recipe there in front of you. Yeah, exactly. Um, Keith Pickett is leading on this, um, so he's he's writing up most of the recipes. Um, Tom Flavin and we're trying to what we're trying to do is if we get enough, if we get enough um, subscribers or paid subscribers, um, we'll do a series of videos, and those videos will be how-to videos, and there'll be guest starring. We'll say Mike Tweedy and Tom Flavin, um, but Keith Pickett is is really leading this, um, and he's what I like about Keith is 
he always looks for local number one, but how to how to make the most out of your produce, how to minimize waste, how to be frugal with your, with your produce. And we want to do a series of things from that involves everybody. So if you get your box, what do I do with the box? What do I do with all this veg? All right, I get my recipes, but maybe I'm not the best cook in the world and I don't want to spend two hours preparing something because I'm tired because I'm, and I've got kids or whatever it is. You're tired after work or you've got to do homework with the kids or whatever it is. You want something that's reasonably easy to do and quick. And that's the way we, that's our approach to it. And by the end of the week, you shouldn't have anything left in the box, I suppose, in, in, at the end of those seven days until you get your next box. It's how to use that and how, to, especially these times as well, that if you're getting your vegetables, that you're not wasting anything and it's not a waste of money. And that's where we we're trying to make sure that each box is not overwhelming to people. Not everybody's a Michelin star chef. So you have to be able to cook and um, approach it um, to the level of that person. And their interest in cooking as well, you see. So that's quite important too. So that's why we're trying to trying to cater for all people, really. This isn't the first time that you've collaborated with Keith because you've had a couple of events there on the farm that he has cooked up yes. extravaganzas for the guests because I've, I've been to a couple of those myself. They're usually plant-based vegetarian-style dinners. Yeah, because um, I suppose the idea again, is what you can do with vegetables. It's it's not like, I suppose I lived in Asia for six years and in Asia, meat is 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 almost, uh, meat is very expensive. It's extremely expensive. So it's, it's used sparingly. It's usually rice and um, and vegetables are, are on the main dish with a side of almost two or three slices of chicken breast and on your dinner, not two, two chicken breasts, if you know what I mean. Everything else is vegetables. It's, it's a very different diet over there. So, when we were deciding to do something like that is to introduce people to vegetables and the, the range of what you can do. I think for the, for the dinner there, the second one we did was a vegetarian vegan menu, which is basically zero food miles. And it was almost a hundred meters from the farm to the table, that kind of idea. And Keith made a dish with onions, but did three or four different parts of um, ideas about onion in it, if you know what I mean. So it's amazing what you can do with vegetables and how tasty they can be, that almost you can forget about the meat in that sense. So that's what I suppose we want to bring forward as well. Not pushing a vegan or vegetarian um, agenda or anything else. It's not like that at all. It's just to get Irish people eating a more balanced diet, I suppose, and, and to show what you can do with vegetables. We've seen recently the shelves and probably more so in the north or in the UK retailers yeah, that are in Ireland. It's huge. These empty shelves which it's just crazy, especially here in West Limerick, when you look around, there's loads of people growing vegetables for themselves. There's the Organic College in Drumcolliher with J Farm out in Arda. We're so lucky that we have the capacity to do that, that we don't have to rely on veg and fruit to be imported. You'd think that, but yet we've poured in over 100,000 tonnes of potatoes. It's crazy. And about seven, I think it's seventy thousand um, tons of carrots. It's something. It's it's astronomical. Um, and personally, you should be going into the supermarket and buying blackberries and raspberries and strawberries in December or January. That's just not right. That's there's something wrong there. Um, it, that's not. It, it shouldn't be like that. You should, everybody should be eaten seasonally. And by doing that, then. You, you'll create a, a more local economy. It's very hard for farmers, um, especially small growers, because we don't get any funding. It's, it's, you're on your own. 
whereas large-scale farmers can get single farm payments in a part of the EU. With, with, um, with small growers like ourselves, we're on our own. So we're highly reliant on the uh, hospitality sector and, the, and, and people and the general public um, for our salaries. Um, which makes it quite hard in, in that sense. It can be a bit of a grind sometimes, you know, because you're, you're growing and you're marketing and you're trying to get out and sell your product and get known. Um, it's, it's quite a steep learning curve in that sense. Um, and if you think about it, the whole food system um, from, from imported produce, there's only about a lead time of three to five days. So if it breaks down completely, and that's going to be the problem with the UK with Brexit now, a lot of um, farmers can't get peace, um, especially up in the north, um, mushroom farmers and the horticultural sector uh, with the ban, with the Irish ban on peat. Um, so uh, that's that's quite scary. That's putting people to the pin of the collar, really. Um, but it's also an opportunity for people in Ireland and locally to rethink um, and how, uh, to, to how fragile everything is and how fragile the food system is. That if you have a breakdown like that, you might have, in, like, like Breadgate, three to five days and the, the, the shelves are empty. Mm-hmm. What do you do then? And everybody's panic buying, um, and you know, grabbing ten loaves of bread and hundreds of bags of uh, potatoes, and it'll become like that. It's quite easy to happen. It's, and we're seeing this, especially with the pandemic as well. So I suppose this is a good idea. This is a good chance for people to see that it's a little. It costs a little bit more, but for what you're getting in health in health benefits and the quality, just you won't be throwing anything out because it's bad. And if you go to the supermarket, usually when you buy your food, it's already a week old maybe 10 days old you know that bag of salad that you buy and you open up and two or three days later it's black you know you at the bottom of the bag and it's kind of slimy you won't have that with fresh produce it should last you 10 days in the fridge two weeks in the fridge a bag of spinach should be two weeks in a fridge so for people that want to sign up then the produce will actually be coming to that that'll start being available from june for 26 weeks you want them to sign up now and invest now so how do they do that where do they go to actually physically sign on the dotted line and commit i suppose um the best way to do this would be go to newleafurbanfarmers.com um and there there's a veg box you'll, you'll see it under veg box scheme click on that and then there's a whole page maybe page and a half of uh, faqs and what to do and what it's about and the different size boxes there are there's a 25 euro box there's a 35 euro box and there's a 50 euro box what that entails is down to the household size um, a 25 euro box might be for a single person who's vegetarian or a couple who just eat a plant-based diet but also have a bit of meat as well a 35 euro box would be for a, a medium-sized family um we'll say two children and, and adults two adults um, and a larger box, the 50 euro box would be for a larger family, maybe with teenage kids and so on. Once you've done that and you're ready to, and you want to sign up, um, then you can sign up. And if, once you sign up, then I'll send you bank details and then you pay 50% up front and then 50% either in June, July and August. And you can spread that over three months in June, July, August, or you can just pay it off one time, the, the rest of it, the remainder of it, any time during that time frame. Um, it's a lot to ask people right now, but what happens is that 50% that you, you give me initially helps me with infrastructure. It helps me with if I have to buy any more equipment or seeds, compost, so on and so forth. It just it bankrolls me in terms of cash flow for the start of the year, and it allows me to come to farm. I've already started, you see. So I started two, two weeks ago. So I've got bell peppers, chili peppers. Uh, my garlic has started off. Next week, I'll be doing my tomatoes. Uh, and it, it'll just move on from there then. And then my main seeding will be in this, well, the 5th, 6th of February. And I'll work from there then. 
So by having that then, I'm able to then to be able to say, right, I've got 50 people per week that I have to provide for, plus the restaurants whenever they reopen, and then the shops. So I do a number of shops as well. Like so, And I'd like to uh, mention a couple of uh, shops as well, uh, places like um, Rift Coffee in town, um, Eurospar Bruff, the Urban Co-op, and as well as Neighbour Food Online. There's their retail outlets that I supply as well that you can find it there more locally. Um, we're opening a shop as well at the farm. So if people don't want to sign up or just they're not going to buy that many vegetables in a week, you can come to the farm and buy there as well. And also we'll be doing plant sales as well. So if you want to grow something on your own, I'm going to be supplying the seeds that I use, which are probably the highest quality seeds that you can get. Um, they're all organic. They're all certified. And there'll be varieties that'll be a little bit unusual and completely different from the the bog standard ones you get in the nurseries you're going to be a busy man kevin <laughs> i'm always busy <laughs> <laughs> even busier. To see. i'm very lucky I, I love what i do well you know your passion is is very clear in the way you talk about it all and it has been lovely to talk to you about it this evening so best of luck with it just remind us of the web address there again oh again it's at www.newnew.com Leaf L E A F Urban U R B A N Farmers F A R M E R S dot com and I'm on Instagram as well at Newly Farm. Um, have a look at that as well. Fantastic! And look, we might check in with you later in the year to see how it's going. Oh, please do. Oh, yeah, listen, call out maybe call out sometime once this pandemic thing is over and we might do a bit of a video or something. Brilliant. Look forward to Brilliant. it. Thank you so much, Sharon. It's a pleasure meeting you. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break we were talking to Kevin Wallace, the new leaf urban farmer from Ballyneedy. And if you missed that, you can catch The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am and the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Still to come tonight, Karen O'Donoghue, Head of Community Development at GIY, will tell us about Innocent and GIY's The Big Grow 2021. Next, though, we're going to talk to Limerick man Shane Ryan, founder of Feed, which is a range of delicious lentil-based meals. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Shane, you're very welcome to the programme this evening and you are a graduate from Shannon College, which all our listeners will be very familiar with and you've had an incredible career journey since you graduated and in 2018 you started up your own food business. It's called Feed, spelled F-I-I-D. There's a reason for that and you can explain that to us in due course. But just start off and tell us a bit about the business and what it does. Yeah, I suppose journey is kind of a, a very light word and more more of a roller coaster actually. Um, feed as it currently exists, it started in 2018, but I actually started my first business five years ago, actually just coming on six years ago. So kind of feed as it, as it, as it is now has evolved out of two previous businesses. So originally uh, it was a, a salad delivery service where I was cycling around delivering freshly made salads from my bicycle to offices. Uh, quickly realized that that was not scalable and I just I, and I was absolutely shattered from it and uh, out of there then I realized I wanted to get this, this amazing food that I was creating for more people so I developed a chilled product 
and then I got that into into Super Value and Duns, uh, and I had lots of scale scaling issues as well with that. So and out of that, then B three point as as it currently exists, the Ambient Pouches. Uh, that's when that was born and that launched in in 2018. So yes, right now it's two years old, but it's been a a bit of a journey to get to this point. So if I go in to one of the local supermarkets, what am I looking for? You're looking for a really delicious, comforting convenience meal in a plastic pouch. So it's a 100% plastic pouch. And the reason why we chose that is because it allows us to extend the shelf life of the product naturally without using any sort of additives or preservatives. So all of our products, they have a 100% clean ingredient deck. So inside in our meals, we only use ingredients that you would cook with yourself at home. And really, that was born out of kind of the insight there is is, is that our customer is, is quite short on time or pre-COVID, they were a lot more short on time. And oftentimes we, we were finding that people were, were compromising on the food they were putting in their body because they didn't have time to cook it. So really what I was trying to figure out was a way to how do we make a solution for people, like a really delicious, comforting meal that tastes just like you would cook it yourself at home without having to compromise on either the quality of the ingredients or or the, the type of ingredients that you're putting in your body. So so basically it's ready meals, which would have or still maybe have a reputation of not being particularly healthy, being high in salt and high in sugar, and that's something that you've addressed. Give me an example of, tell me the name of one of the dishes. They're all plant-based. Yeah, so we're a plant-based company. So we're we're a plant-based company. Everything that we make is is 100% plant-based, but actually the vast majority of our customers, they're not plant-based and they're not vegan, but they just enjoy really good quality, really good tasting food. Um, so we, have, we we really work off kind of comforting classic recipes. So, you know, our first three uh, meals were a smoky Mexican black bean chili, so a really real classic dish, um, a Moroccan chickpea tagine, and a sun-dried tomato and lentil ragu, so very much a play on uh, the classic bolognese dish. They're all they're, they're real, they're real meals that people know and love, uh, and we've just made kind of a, a, a plant-based twist on them. And whenever you were creating them and coming up with the concept, did you have a certain target market in mind? Was it like the single professional short in time or the elderly elderly person living alone that doesn't really want to be bothered with cooking? What was the profile of your target market? Yeah, it was it was very much the former. Um, it was I suppose it was it was a personal need myself. Like I was living a very fast paced life where I didn't have a lot of time, but I, I still really value good food. And so, you know, originally we very much aimed the feed range at a lunchtime location. So the vast majority pre-COVID of our customers were bringing feed to work with them and enjoying it in the office. And, it, and, and in that sense, it presented a really good value lunch item that kept you nice and full, but it didn't overfill you. Um, so it kind of it gave you lots of sustained energy throughout the day at a really good value price point, like a three ninety nine for a full meal, whereas you know oftentimes you can pay upwards of seven, seven or eight euro for a sandwich. So vegans sometimes get a bit of a, a bad reputation um plant-based eaters i think a lot of people don't appreciate that veganism it's an ethos it's not just a diet plant-based Absolutely. would yeah. be would be the diet 
And it it has been very challenging in the past if you're ve- vegetarian or vegan whenever you go out to eat or whenever you go out shopping to find meals like this that are, as you keep saying, they're tasty and nutritious. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think times have, have definitely changed. Absolutely. I think, yeah. you know, there's been a real culture shift. I think traditionally veganism and plant-based has had a very bad reputation there is a lot of extremism um involved let's say in the in the vegan community i do think like there hasn't particularly in ireland there's a, there's a real uh, cultural shift and a, a changing attitude towards plant-based i think a lot more people have, have a, a a much more flexible approach to food and they recognize the need for us to make some small changes uh, either how we live and how we eat and you know choosing a plant-based meal is often a really approachable way to to make a more sustainable choice. Uh, I, I can see, you know, with, with most of my friends, almost none of us are vegan or or, or would, would be 100% plant-based, but the vast majority of us would have, you know, either one or two plant-based meals a day or, or plant-based days in the week. Or I myself, like, I wouldn't be uh, vegan. I wouldn't be 100% plant-based, but I would be very, very balanced and flexible in that uh, generally Monday to Friday, I won't eat any sort of meat or dairy myself. Um, when I'm cooking for myself or buying food for myself. Um, but then, you know, if I'm out or I'm, or someone's cooking for me, I'm, I'm going to eat whatever is put in front of me because it's generally going to be great food. And the one thing that I don't want to do is to, is to be awkward or, or um, generate food waste that, you know, that's, that's shameful in itself. So Campaigns like Meatless Monday and Vegan URA, which normally takes place in January, have been great for reducing the amount of meat that people consume would you see a spike in your sales at certain times of the year when campaigns of that nature take place yeah january's january's our our biggest month of the year um absolutely our, our sales increase about 150 percent in this month um uh, versus the average through the year so it's, it's a really really busy month for us uh so we would we would actually steer clear of kind of vegan messaging um, and more try to hero like the humble vegetables because all of our meals you, you get three or five a day in one meal um, which is quite a strong proposition especially you know that most people aren't getting enough enough vegetables into their diet and um, so we would kind of more focus on how great vegetables are and how easy it is to get vegetables into your diet in, in a really delicious way rather than kind of the vegan messaging which sometimes can still be quite polarizing but yeah we absolutely see uh, in January and in September September is when people are getting back to routine after the summer and kind of they're focusing more on, on um, um, structured meals. So September will also be a big time for us. And probably for the students as well, a great, um, Absolutely. great options for them to have in the fridge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we, when, we, when I launched it, we, we designed the, you know, the, the recipes, the packaging, the messaging, very much with a, with a younger, more millennial consumer in mind. Actually, what we've found is that uh, our customer base is, is is extremely wide. So we have people as young as students or, or younger, young young kids, um, and then older people. And who, but the thing that they all have in common is that they just love, they, they're all really interested in health and they're all really interested in good food. So that's the commonality between them all. I don't think we could say right now that we have one clear archetype of consumer because the people that are buying the product and interacting with us are are a really, really broad range, which I think is really interesting. 
yeah, the younger generation, I, and I mean, you're not old yourself looking at you across the Zoom call, but certainly I can talk about the younger generation are much more concerned about food and nutrition now than they would have been whenever I was that age. And like you yourself, I feel you've accomplished an awful lot in a very short space of time. Like it's a huge achievement to get a product into all those major retailers nationwide. How did you achieve that? With great difficulty, to be honest, Sharon. It was, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely been the hardest thing that I've ever done. And I think probably, I think I think maybe my, my background in, in hospitality and, and hotels probably played a part in, in the persistence and, and the hardworking uh, approach that I, that I have. I suppose I don't think anyone goes into food in, in any facet thinking that it's going to be easy like the food business particularly is incredibly hard you're working off tiny margins particularly particularly in retail where every single person along the chain makes more money than the brand but the brand does the vast majority of the work um i think i think yeah it's, it's persistent self-belief i'm i'm absolutely obsessed with with the idea of of helping people to eat healthy when when they're most inclined to not eat healthy when they're, when they're under time pressure or they're tired. I really think that, that we shouldn't have to make that choice. Um, and yeah, I, I just think um, being open to changing things as well. Like I've, I've been so wrong about so many things along, along uh, through the journey, um, but I haven't been kind of stuck in my ways. I've kind of adapted to things. So yeah, it, it's, it's been the single most difficult thing I've ever done in my entire life. But, you know, two years into, into this version of the business, we're reaching a milestone where we've, we've just sold our, our 500,000th meal. Um, we now have a team of eight people in Ireland. We're in all the, all the different retailers. We're, we're, we just launched into the Middle East with a, with a retailer there. You know, it's, it's, it's things like that where I have to sit back and say, geez, like, this is really cool. I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of myself. But most of the time, you don't really have time to think about that because you're so stuck in, in the operations and, and getting things done. And there's always a fire to put out. But yeah, it has, it has been incredibly challenging, but also a lot of fun. I, I really, I, I, I'm quite lucky in that I love what I do, and every day I get up and I'm really excited about what today's going to bring. So I feel, yeah, quite grateful for that too. Like every startup has to look at finance, they have to look at the marketing, they have to look at the branding, they have to look at the packaging, the distribution, the logistics. There are so many different components and it's almost impossible for one individual to have all the skills, knowledge and expertise. You have had support from the likes of Enterprise Ireland and different government bodies. How useful have you have you found that in your success? I incredibly useful. I don't think I would have been able. I don't think I would have gotten the business to where it is right now without the the very support that I've been able to, along the way. Um, I think particularly a standout one for me is the Foodworks program, and, and that's it's run by Enterprise Ireland with Board B and Chagas, so the three agencies. Uh, and specifically for food scale-up. So it's for um, businesses that they identify as having the potential to grow internationally and they really nurture you. And, uh, you know, through that, I interacted with a lot of industry professionals, um, amazing mentors who advised me on, on, you know, how to grow the business or how to change what I was doing. But, you know, most of all, what I got from Foodworks and every other program that I, that I did is an amazing network of people. And, and Foodworks is... Food work is, is Particularly notable here because we were all we're all in food, and um, we were all at, at varying different stages of our of our um, businesses. But 
having that network of people that are going through or have gone through similar challenges or have a network of people that you can tap into or who are just there to listen or to offer advice. Like I finished Foodworks uh, two years ago and I still, we still have a WhatsApp group. And as someone who is a not a WhatsApp or a social media fan personally at all, I will always, always acknowledge and go into that WhatsApp group. We talk every single day, two years later, and it's just a really good support system for people. And I think, you know, particularly as an entrepreneur, you absolutely need that. You need a group of people around you who get it and who will listen to you and advise you and help you and who you will do the same for as well. And I think that's the, the thing that I got uh, that was most useful out of any of the programs I got, I did, is uh, the people. It's really interesting that you made that remark about social media. You're not into social media because it's so important in this day and age for marketing. And we mentioned at the start about the name of the business, Feed, but it's spelt F-I-I-D, pronounced Feed, as in Feed Yourself, but spelt F-I-I-D. There's a story around that. Tell us about it. Yeah, so when when I... Initially started in, in 2015, it was F-E-E-D, so the traditional spelling of feed, which I thought was this genius name for a food business. Um, interestingly enough, about 7 million other people thought the exact same thing, and so there's so many businesses around the world that are called F-E-E-D, so because it's a really great name. Um, when we moved from a, a chilled brand to an, an, a long-life ambient brand, so kind of a, um, an online opportunity was presented to us where we could sell direct to our consumers online through the website. Um, and a barrier to that is, is kind of organic search, it's, it's discoverability. And if you if you type in F-E-E-D into Google, you know, all of those other 7 million businesses um, come up in the search results. So, you know, I was trying to be, I was trying to be cute and smart and scrappy uh, as, a, as a small startup with no resources. I didn't want to invest time and money into into coming up with a new name. So I thought it was this genius idea just to remove the E's and add in the I's. So then we have this, this ownable name that's, that's absolutely ours. So if you type in FIID feed, as my business is the first one that comes up. Um, it has presented some challenges too in that there's a lot of ambiguity around how to pronounce it, um, which can sometimes hurt the brand. But, you know, there are a lot of brands out there that there is some confusion around the, the pronunciation like how do you pronounce l-i-a-d-l yeah how do you pronounce a-d-i-t-a-s or n-i-k-e you know there's so many different variations but it didn't really hurt them um yeah there sometimes there is a lot of talk around like will we just change the name but now now you know two years in and and the fact that it pays homage to where it's come from where we come from like where we started five years ago as f-e-e-d i I kind of have a soft spot for it. So Your website then is eatfeed, E-A-T-F-I-I-D.com. And did you say you have an online shop? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen a huge uptick in our in our online. Um, like in 2020, our, our online grew 150% uh, over the, the previous year. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a great channel for us now and it's great that we had it. Um, yeah, we, we, we sell all our products online um, with free shipping in Ireland and generally it's next day delivery as well. So it's a, it's a really good option for people. Fantastic. Well, a, a really amazing story, Sheehan. Congratulations on all your success Thank you very much. to date. And it's always super to hear a Limerick success story like yours. You're in lockdown at the moment with the family in Limerick. How's that going? Um, I'm loving it. Yeah, I, I, I was here. I came here for Christmas and never left. Uh, you know, as, as lockdown three came around, 
you know, I, I said, what, what if I stayed here for an extra few weeks? And my parents said they would love to have me. And it's been really nice because I don't think I've spent more than a week with them in like 10 years, maybe. We're always just running around the place. And it's just the three of us. And they're a really good company. And they cook for me. And they do my laundry, which is I really welcome as well. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's completely different. Um, and it's nice to be back. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Nicely in Limerick as well for an extended period, which I haven't been for a long time. So It's great to hear that you're enjoying your time at home in Limerick and lockdown. And everybody, I think, has learned a lot about lockdown and just being kinder to each other and sharing and keeping in touch and, and maybe just giving back. Yeah, I think I think what if, if COVID has, has taught us one thing, it's it's the the value in humanity and and how people are inherently good for the most part, and we really see that with our consumers as well. It was when I started feed from the very very beginning, I always wanted to have a, a social element in the business, and I would personally be quite passionate about the idea that you know entrepreneurs and people in business they're in a really unique place and uh, to have an impact beyond building a business that that produces profits and so uh, since the very beginning since I was cycling that bicycle uh, around delivering my salad we've always had a one-for-one one model whereby every time we sell one of our products we also donate a meal to a child in the developing world so now we work with a charity called Mary's Meals and they operate um, feeding programs in schools in uh, developing countries all across the globe and they, they feed over 1.2 million children every single day in schools um, and today we've donated half a million meals to children um, in various different feeding projects and we're just about to, to sponsor our own school um, in Liberia so we can kind of follow the story of these kids who are get, who are coming to the school and, and having their meals every single day um, and it's something that, that we don't really talk about as a business. Um, I tend to shy away from it a little bit because it's not the reason why we exist. Like we, I didn't start this business to donate meals. It's not a charity. Like we are a business. We do have investors. We, we are in, in the interest of making a profit and growing a business. But uh, it's really important to me. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we, con- we continue to do it. And uh, it feels great. It feels really, really amazing when we get these messages um, from, from the different feeding projects to acknowledge you know, what we've done and to sit back and say, you know, we did this. And our customers. Our customers helped us to do that. And, and they really love that too. You know, it's uh, it's just a little extra benefit of, of buying into feed and, and supporting us that you know you're also supporting these other people too. It's absolutely fantastic. Fair play to you, Sheehan. Um, it's been lovely to talk to you this evening. Always great to hear a lovely success story from Limerick and continued success. Thanks so much. It was great. You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to the best possible taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break we were talking to Limerick man Shane Ryan, founder of plant-based company Feed. If you missed it and you want to catch up on the best possible taste, it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am on West Limerick 102FM and the podcasts are online at SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Now finally tonight I'm delighted to welcome back to the show Karen O'Donoghue, Head of Community Development at GIY, who has details about Innocent and GIY's The Big Grow 2021. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. 
Karen, you're very welcome back on the programme. You've been on a few times before, so thanks very much for talking to me this evening. Tell us about the Big Grow 2021. This fantastic campaign, which we are in our 10th year of. Mad. I mean, seriously, yeah. 10 years on, um, is all about making sure that kids have access to some bit of soil, some bit of greenery, there's some bit of growing, and for many of them, it'll be their first time doing it. Um, but we hope, and in fact know, that it's definitely something that'll give them the grow, give them the love to keep to keep on growing, no matter how much space that they have. So, as you well know, Sharon, it's it's usually um, a campaign that we run and an opportunity that we give teachers and their kids in classes um, to to avail of, and you know the beautiful, big, innocent the big grow kits sent out to all of the teachers and, and they grow in the classrooms. Now that's 100% the plan and the intention for this year, but sure, as we were kind of chatting about in other times, one day at a time, we'll see how it goes, but we will still make sure that the kids get their hands on a, on a kit, whatever happens. That's brilliant. And I'm just reading here that so far, you've said it's 10 years and in that 10 year period, you've helped 1.5 million kids to start growing their own veg. That's so impressive. Isn't that unbelievable? We were chatting about it this morning, actually, um, uh, uh, with the gang at work. And 2011, <laughs> when life was very different, um, the big grow was called Sow and Grow, believe it or not. Talk about looking back through the years. And guess how many? Guess how many um, kits we gave out? Go on. Children. Go on. 500. Wow. 500! Like what? So it all started in Ireland with Innocent, one of the very, very first campaigns that GIY ever did. I mean, we were only a year up and running as, as one of Ireland's very first social enterprises, bringing food into the mainstream and trying to work out how to get our very simple message out to as many people as we possibly could. And Innocent Ireland uh, stepped up, stepped in and have been with us side by side ever since. So not only has it gone from 500 to that 1.5 million, but this exceptionally simple, accessible campaign has gone from Ireland into the UK. And you know what? Hats off to Innocent at a time last year when... You know, everything stopped and everybody had to put kind of plans on hold and nobody knew what was going on. Like Innocent immediately came and said, OK, we trust you guys. We know the kids still need this. We know the teachers still want to do it. It's a bit of hope. It's a ray of optimism. It's something for everybody to focus on. Let's drive on. And, and that's what we did. And again, even though everybody knew there was no real guarantee of schools being open this time round, like we're proceeding, we're proceeding as planned because you know what, whatever the crises might be going on in the outside world, the benefits of food growing are a constant. So we, we've got to just keep putting that one foot in front of the other and, and managing the whole thing best we can. So yeah, 1.5 million kids from 500, that's unreal. Imagine where we'll be in, in 10 years time. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Now there is a bit of a competition element to it so whenever the kits do eventually get out to the schools and they start using them you ask them to document their growing journey we really do and you know what the the schools and the teachers are absolutely fantastic I mean I think I, I can't imagine any any parent of a school aged going child at the moment um saying 
anything but fantastic uh, congratulations and appreciation for for our nation's teachers at the moment like for my two here going to castle martyr school oh my god the principal mr otuma miss hunt miss howard all of the teachers are absolutely rocking it when it comes to virtual schooling engaging with us on you know aladdin and see some this that and the other so we know that the teachers are proud of the work that their kids do and want to make it as accessible as they can as possible. And absolutely the same applies to the big grow. So whether the kids are in school or the kids are at home, and at the end of the day, you bring your whole self to school and yourself, your whole self to home, it's like the hokey pokey. <laughs> You're in and out and in and out. Um, we know that the, the teachers will help document the, what the kids do and really proudly will share all of that with us on social media and do you know what like isn't that a fantastic recognition of the children themselves and i don't know if you've ever had a chance to look at what of the previous year's schools have done but like last year's winners took over what can only be described even in my most diplomatic <laughs> way as the dullest part of a concrete yard into a thriving like thriving growing space where they very cleverly made the best use of what they had which is a good mantra for all of us and you know grew grew vertically so yeah we love to see what everybody's up to and what they're doing it's a massive boost to us it's a massive boost to the the crew at innocent and it inspires other people to to do the same and that winner last year was St Patrick's Boys and Girls Primary School in Galway City and they used pallets like I'm sure between all the pupils in the school there's a, a few parents there that might have a pallet or two lying around and they use those to grow peas lettuce spinach potatoes and lots more which is just incredible yeah and, and you've hit the nail on the head there again you know like this is like the big grow is for the school community and and i think that's really important so you know the resources are all about the children and learning through growing the last thing we want to do is to ask the teachers to have to do another thing. So we're really considered about how the big grow can help achieve other kind of curriculum outcomes and, and, and priorities. Um, whilst bringing in a bit of fun and a bit of crack, because that's super important. Um, but at the same time, the children then, and we know this anecdotally, because they, they'll tell us, will go home and encourage their families to do the same. And then the the school embraces it you know it's not just something that Miss Hunt's class second class are doing this year it becomes part of the school's ethos um, and then as you say you, you you put it out to the wider community so who in the school has a, a mom with access to x y and z or a dad or a nana or a granddad or whomever who's in their world that can help contribute to to a school garden um either in like on site at the moment or just help out in some other way so yeah it starts in the classroom it starts with those kids with the big grow cup soil seeds like the simplicity of those three magic things and a bit of motivation and encouragement which is what we all need and then suddenly you have kids growing loads of veg in a vertical wall made out of pallets just like that okay. the simplicity of it is amazing and tell me now, you and Michael Kelly are your TV stars, for want of a better word. You've done a couple of series of, of a fantastic programme. Are there any plans to, to do another series? Uh, oh, TV stars. My God, I, I wish. 
If only I could get on Dancing with the Stars, Sharon. That's all I want. All my world. I can dance in wellies, I promise. Uh, or I can even leave the wellies. Um, so, yeah, like we, we had three series of Grow, Cook, Eat. The last of which broadcast uh, last year, just as the world was facing into the reality of the pandemic and lockdown. And I, I still can't get over the response to, to, to our show. And do you know what? It's not the response to the show. It's the, it's the, sorry, it is, but it's not us. It's the people that are in it. It's the, the unbelievable producers that we met, the people in the communities that we had a chance to talk to. Like it was people responding to the fact that we gave people and projects who usually fly kind of under the radar. Do you know what I mean? They don't really get a big shout out, but we were able to put a big spotlight on them and, and, um, bring them to the fore as well as some kind of tricky conversations around food waste um, you know the plastic packaging that we have um, direct provision you know all of those other topics that we have that have been looked at in a different way but this was about bringing it back to what can we do like what action can I take today and um, it was like I'm still bowled away by the response to it plus now, this makes me very famous, right? Or feel very famous. <laughs> it was also on, it's also on Amazon Prime. So, like, all these amazing Americans are, like, getting in contact and, like, so positive. And, like, you know the way Americans, like, the best type of American are, like, super direct and super positive and super complimentary. And they've taken Grow Cookie to heart and, and applied it at home. So, there you go. Like, brilliant. So, in terms of doing something again, I mean, of course, we'd love to. Um, we're busy working on a proposal at the moment and, and, and chatting to the producers and, you know, RTE and this, that and the other, um, because there's a real appetite for programmes like Grow, Cook, Eat. Um, I think people are done with, you know, programmes without substance, you know, frippery stuff, like just nobody has time for that crap anymore. Like we need to just get down to business and need something that has a bit of authenticity but at the same time makes us feel, okay, I, I can be part of that. I can be part of the solution. In the meantime, if any of the teachers in West Limerick are listening, any of the principals, where do they need to go to, to get in touch with you and to sign up to this year's Big Grow? Yeah, so uh, same same as, as per usual, you guys need to log on to uh, www.innocentbiggrow.com. So that's the website that has all the information. That's where the registration page is. Um, that's where you get details of what's in the pack and the new veg and everything that's sent out to people this year. And then, of course, access to the, the brilliant resources that we've co-developed with, with those amazing teachers too. Um, and then all the usual details about how to send in the photos of, of the fantastic kids having the crack and doing their bit and putting their collective heads and energies together to uh, to create garden and growing spaces so yeah innocentbiggrow.com and then we're always here to answer questions so you know contact GIY again on any of our social media platforms um, if you need a little bit more of information or, or have a query and uh, we do what we can to get you growing thanks so much for talking to me this evening Stacey oh, bless you and you enjoy the rest of your evening Sharon talk to you really soon Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. 
And that brings us to the end of the programme this evening. Thanks for tuning in and to my guests, Kevin Wallace, Shane Ryan and Karen O'Donoghue. Until next week, stay safe and bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!